I'm Nick Flaherty. I'm Jason Thielbar. Welcome to the world's second finest podcast. Today, we're talking about Batman Adventures 30, which came out February 1995. I, th- I think, I think it came out. Jason, I'm so screwed up because there's like DC has their own dates for things and then League of Comic Book Geeks, ha- that website has their own dates for things. And I'm trying to keep track of everything and I'm using two different sources for dates and it's it's a shit show. So we might, there might be some sort of adjustment that needs to happen eventually, but for right now, February 1995. I won't write an intro for this one, Jason. I know that if I do, I'm just going to fall right into Mastermind's plan and I can avoid that if I don't. Oh, oh no. This is the intro, isn't it? He's got yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, you fell for it again. You, you foolish fool. Yeah, this is a uh, Professor Mr. Nice mastermind issue. Once again, these characters are back. Uh, they're always a joy. Yes, they are. I I absolutely, I absolutely, I had so much fun reading it. I had yeah. so much goddamn fun reading it. But before we get to that, Batman 516, written by Doug Munch and pencil by Kelly Jones, was on the stand. It's Sleeper Part 1, Nightmares. There's been a group of linked killings in Gotham. Batman learns about this through subterfuge because he no longer is looped in with Gordon. He's on the outs, forced to creep on the, creep on the meetings from ledges and windows and make crank calls to the morgue pretending to be Gordon. <laughs> He gathers that a Chinese object is left at each crime scene and that they died of cardiac arrest with their hearts removed after death. No injection marks on the VIX, nothing in the stomach contents. The delivery method of the heart attack is a mystery. The thread that victims have in common is that they're all doctors who treat sleep. In particular, they're treating a woman who calls herself Sleeper. She's gone mad due to lack of sleep and communes with a goddess of sleep and death but but not the endless. It's not it's not death and sleep as as you know it or death and yeah. dream. Yeah. Yeah. It's not Mor- Morpheus isn't isn't all up there with his. Yeah. Eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Would have been cool to see him. Would have been cool to see a Kelly Jones Morpheus. But anyway, but, anyway. Yeah. it's a weird evil Buddha like creature thing with like shark teeth. Sleeper uses tiny skulls on the end of her long hair as a whip to deliver the gas that induces heart attacks. Batman is too late. The doctor is killed, but Sleeper is on the run to the roof. She ambushes Batman as he gets up there and gasses him. Sweet dreams, Batman, become the bitter nightmare. Goddess of sleep and death must be appeased. Next issue, the conclusion to Sleeper, darkness in the dream chamber. Jason, (laughs) what did you think of Batman 516? Honestly, uh, I fucking dug it. Yeah, man. I fucking dug it so hard. So, so so hard. I'm going to end up repeating myself in the two read pile because my my two read uh, also sort of sprang from this. It's just kind of a coincidence. But like, you know, for the first time in a long time, I watched uh, Mulholland Drive because they just put up a bunch of David Lynch movies on uh, films on the uh, Criterion channel streaming service. Nice. And... And I was like, oh, hell yeah, Mulholland Drive. So I watched that at like, you know, nine in the morning on a Saturday when I was eating my eggs. Sure. And I'm, and I'm sitting there and I'm just like, oh, man, I fucking love David Lynch. And it's just, just like I love the weirdness. 
and like the the, the mind fuck of it. So like I, yeah, I don't know yeah. if like that helped uh, catapult me into uh, <laughs> the, the 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 weirdness and and the um and like the goofiness too, because like you know Lynch is goofy on purpose, obviously, and, yeah. and I think some of this stuff is is goofy on purpose as well. And I think maybe sometimes in in comic books like this, like people who aren't like regular fans or maybe even some regular fans are like, Oh, this is really goofy. What are they doing? It's like, they know, man. <laughs> like, yeah, the, they know that's, that's part of the fun. You know, when you said goofy, there's panels of this comic that are burned into my brain of Batman drawn by Kelly Jones. So long ears, mostly Cape hunched over, claw hands, hunched over. He's got, a, he's going to have a mighty hump. Over. He's going to have a mighty hump. But then he's like, driving this old timey Batmobile because Azrael blew up the new one and it's just like a Studebaker with Batman's face on the front with like a weird pod canopy thing. Oh yeah, it's, <laughs> it's beautiful. And he's just like hunched over in this thing and it looks like he's driving, it looks like he's driving the car from the Monopoly game, the like yeah. piece. And he's just driving around Gotham and like pedestrians are like, what the hell? They're just like looking well, at him and I'm like, what the hell? It's like goofy as shit, but it's like it's drawn so, so well. And oh, like yeah. Kelly Jones like makes it it's like goofy, but it works. And I'm just like, ah, oh, I love this. I want to live in this. The other thing, too, and the the non like the non goofy part of it is that like I just absolutely love the like the really dark macabre. A uh, story that's oh, in yeah, it, and, I, and I'm and I'm and I'm really feeling the like Gordon just being done, like he's just done. Yeah, he's like yeah, whatever. I might still need your help, but I what I just take the shit and get away. It's like it's like yeah. you know what this relationship is, you know? <laughs> like, right, right. It's it's yeah, just uh, the Kelly Jones art. Really, I think like I don't know if this story would hit as well. If no, definitely uh, not. If, if it wasn't for for the and, and maybe. maybe Maybe he saw him on the schedule as like, oh, I'm going to have Kelly Jones in a few books and like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to write some spooky stuff because I, I want- think I think that's what happened because I was I was digging into a little bit of like what is in store for Batman in 1995, just so I can kind of like get a heads up before we read it so that we can kind of like analyze everything. And apparently this is part of a shift for Batman to become more like horror focused and detective to be more mainstream focused. Oh, and you, you know that that like, I mean, like I'm collecting house of secrets, house of mystery that like DC horror stuff just worms its way into my brain so well. Oh yeah. And like this book, man, it's just like the woman is like, has skulls on the side of her head and like like on the ends of her hair like all these little tiny skulls she's like communing with this weird buddha god thing with like a background of tormented souls the whole thing is just like yeah. creepy and macabre and it's just a vibe man it's it, just a oh, vibe it totally and, and it all like may or may not be real as well right you know right like, like you don't know if she's crazy or if she's actually like communing with a sleep demon of some kind you know like you you don't know what's going on and she has i i was remiss to say that she also has help from a goon who's like gigantic he's like he looks like six refrigerators stacked on top of each other (laughs) yeah yeah and he like can't sleep without her aid somehow and there's like some sort of allusion to some kind of 
sleep study and she hasn't been asleep for like years or something like that. Right, right, so, right. So you're like kind of unsure. And it's like, yeah, that's exactly, it's just like that. I know I refer to it a lot sometimes when we talk about this stuff, but like, it's just like that great Scottish, uh, uh, on the, like the Moors of Gotham, uh, oh, story. yeah, when they just went full ham and they were like, there's a Scottish Moor now and Batman's got to solve it. It's on the yeah. outskirts of Gotham, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was just like a straight up like Sherlock Holmes, like fanfic, you know? And, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was great. It was great. Like, that's the kind of yeah. like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I do also enjoy some of like the, the crazy, grandiose, like, y- you know, uh, colorful villains and like things like that. Sure, like, those are fun sure. too. But like, for me, the sweet spot is always this kind of like, you know, it, it it's like I I want like I want Batman to be like old buddies with Mulder and Scully kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like full in the bat suit, but like yeah. you know, hanging out with with the Lone Rangers and you know dealing with those uh, nerds and trying to find find out the weirdness. You know? Yeah, I'm looking forward to more Kelly Jones Batman, and I actually uh, put in a few discords that I was like, this is where we're at as far as the podcast goes. And a couple of people were like, yo, this was the run that got me back into reading comics. Seeing Kelly Jones on these Batman books like brought me back in. So I'm I'm really, really excited for more more Batman books. Oh, man. Kelly Jones is a legend. I'm I'm staring at my copy of the uh, the, the the dead man. Like we Oof. we need we need more Kelly Jones collections like that. I, I, like, yeah. I don't care yeah. if they're in order or if I, you know, I just want some more yeah. Kelly Jones stuff, please. Well. You're not going to get any more in this podcast, Jason. Ah, shit. I just want to make a note that this with Batman 516, Shadow of the Bat 36, and Detective Comics 683, that we are finally out of these big events that tie all these books together. We're finally done with Nightfall. We're finally done with Zero Hour. We're finally done with Troika. We're finally done with Prodigal. The last echoes of like events, quote unquote, are done. And like everybody is now writing whatever they want to write for Batman. And, you know, artists are drawing whatever they want to draw for Batman. They're no longer interconnected into this like larger story, which was fun for a while. But they've been doing it for so long now that I'm like, yes, give me all the give me all the separate pieces like i just want to see a bunch of stuff yeah it's like it's like the thing that i still appreciate about uh shows like svu or something you know where it's like all right guys let 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 the other shows do the big like you know sweeping arcs like we're just gonna do a beginning middle end maybe there'll be a b plot that will resolve in the season finale but like this is just gonna be uh you know it it, it serialized and it's like you know if a story doesn't hit for a particular month it's like oh wait wait a couple months new story comes in like not a big deal yeah yeah well and 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 like you said and i don't know how long it'll it'll continue but you can like try stuff out of like oh well detective is gonna be the more straightforward superhero and we'll make batman we'll like we'll let that be all like the weird stuff and like that we'll get weird writers and artists for right right you know and you get to yeah you get to do that when you're just kind of you're just putting them out yeah Shadow of the Bat 36, written by Alan Grant, pencils by Barry Kitson. The Shadow of the Bat falls upon Black Canary in this, quote, in the name of the father, one shot. Black Canary is roughing up some girl goons who are part of the gang 
the Daughters of Darkness. She's looking for information on a teen shot and killed a block from the fight. L.L. Hibbs is his name. Police think it was a drive-by, so that brings Canary to the Daughters, who own the turf in Gotham. Canary, after beating up the gang, hops to the rooftop knowing Batman wasn't far. Canary lets him know that she's investigating the killing because it's personal. Bullock is in the ICU after the events of Robin 14, so Bach gets a new partner, Montoya. Canary goes back to Ella Hibb's family. The parents are clean, but the brother overreacts and panics. Ella Hibb's family was close to Canary's. Her father was L.L. Hibb's godfather, so Canary's taken this personally. Canary talks to the brother and tells, and he tells her that he doesn't know who the shooter was, but the hit on L.L. was put out by the Patches, the leader of the Street Demons gang, after he witnessed, after L.L. witnessed another murder. Patches had to shut him up. Bach and Montoya patrol the area where the Street Demons hang out. Bach gets out of the car and doesn't take any other shit. The shooter and Patches mock shoot Bach from the rooftop saying, I'll kill anybody. I just like it. And then they notice Batman and Canary on the rooftop and they start opening fire. Canary and Batman punch and kick their way through the crowd of street demons until there isn't really anyone left to punch or kick anymore. They both grapple out of there after the cops show up. Canary thought this would make her feel better. It doesn't. Next issue, he who laughs last dies. <laughs> Jason, what do you think of Shadow of the Bat 36? I actually actually liked it. I, I didn't like Did it you as really? much. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like it as much as uh, I liked Batman. Sure. But I enjoyed it. Before I get too far into it, everyone, if you've never seen it before, you should watch the movie In the Name of the Father. It. I just looked up the year that it came out. I knew it came out in the 90s. came out in 93. Oh. Uh, in the name of the father was an early-ish uh, Daniel Day-Lewis movie. Oh, it's very, very. I mean, it's uh, Daniel Day-Lewis is in it, so it's uh, amazing. It's a, you know what? Just look it up. Just, just look up in the name of the father. I, I, I really, I really dug the. Um, I, I don't know. I was, I was just really feeling the. Uh, <laughs> I need to get some sort of revenge. You know, like this kid was somebody, and I feel yeah. I failed, and I just, I just, it was just. I love the melodrama of it all. Now there was a lot of melodrama. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to qualify it with saying that, like, it's it's very soapy, but like, yeah, I I don't know. It just hit me right. Like the the soap opera kind of stuff doesn't always hit me right, but like when it does, I'm like, yeah, I'm okay with it. It's not it's not my favorite flavor, but I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I can I can fuck with it. I can fuck with it. Plus the the art and the um, <laughs> I'm sorry the 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 lady gang. <laughs> The lady gang just, was ridiculous. Yeah, the lady gang was so after school special, like, yeah, yeah, dressed. But like, I think that like, I'm just like, oh, look at them in their little uniforms. I loved. Oh, right. look at you. Right. Got these all Midwestern are, these mom are on it. 45 year olds who have never been around an actual gang before, but I've only seen them on the news trying to make <laughs> trying to make rival yeah. gangs in Gotham. Yeah, yeah. Or or on like, you know, Saved by the Bell or something. Right, right, right. <laughs> You know, what's allowable as a gang oh, on Saved man. by the Bell. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, you you sound like you didn't have the same. Uh, no, man. I. Half of the issue was flashbacks for Black Canary, <clears throat> like telling us about like why she's taking this thing personally, running through like the origin of her father and stuff like that. And I was just like, oh, my God, I do not care. And it created this like 
really weird pacing to the whole issue where it was mm. just like mm-hmm. it was like mm-hmm. oh black canary and batman gonna they're gonna chit chat and then it was like no instead it's just black canary monologuing in a flashback about her dad and i'm just like oh my god i don't i want like canary and batman fighting back to back and it being like a satisfying thing you know what i mean and i just feel like i never got that the end i mean they fight back to back in the end but it's just like batman's kicking somebody in the background while canary's punching somebody in the foreground and i was just like eh i don't know i wanted more between them you know what i mean yeah so correct me if I'm wrong, but I think maybe like the premise of the book, the shadow of the bat is supposed to be like stories where Batman's around, but like not the main character. Right. I, I don't know, man. I don't know well, if there's a, if there's a mantra or a, a you know, yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, motto for I mean, this in, book. Yeah. Well, I mean, in my head, like that's kind of the way it is. And sure. I think when, when they bring in like a known character, like black canary, yeah. Then it then it feel it feels off because it's like okay, well, but we know you though. You're in other books. You've had your own book. But when it's just a character that they make up or some like weird character that's like, oh sure, some yeah, it would have been worse if it was like, I don't know, Johnny Flamethrower Hands or whatever. And you're just yeah. like, I don't care about this guy. Yeah. Well, but like, but well, but I think it's more interesting though when it's like just a regular person or something. Or, I, or like I when, agree with that. Y- we y- never got know. a canary cry out of this book. And I was wondering, I was like, is that a newer thing with black canary? Well, I is was going to say they not have that in the nineties. I didn't think she, you just said that. And I was like, I didn't think she had powers. I thought she was just like real good at fighting was yeah. kind of her, her deal. I mean, that she is kind of her deal, now? but she, she does have Are a canary cry. That's like a, like a sonic cry that's like devastating oh uh, kind of like a like a mini black bolt not as good as black bolt by any means oh, oh. but but God. like a like a little little drop of black bolt in her i don't know if dc is like hey remember black canary because i know that at some point soon they're gonna fold black canary and oracle together into birds of prey for the first time oh yeah that could be salting it for, yeah, yeah yeah so i know that like that's on the horizon for black canary i don't know when exactly that happens but i know it's soon ish in the 90s so i i don't know maybe they're trying to be like hey black canary she's a character remember her i am i am looking forward though if they are building out birds of prey uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading the uh uh like the, yeah the, i think it's a I've, i never um, really read them but like i i just feel like there's a lot of you know, this 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 show has really gotten me to thinking of like, oh, there's just like a lot of like superhero books that I just haven't read over the years. And like, yeah, yeah, you know, and I'm like, maybe I, I should get, at least give him a shot, you know, because right. I, I do like any comic book. So <laughs> <laughs> I think any the, the first issue for Birds of Prey is called Black Canary and Oracle Birds of Prey. It's written mm. by uh, Chuck Dixon. I know that I know he made Birds of Prey, but I'm not sure exactly where it falls i don't think it falls in like regular continuity i think it's like its own one-shot story stuff that like dc was playing around with at the time like the yeah, yeah. vengeance of bane stuff or the alfred getting or nightwing getting alfred back into the books you know like that stuff it's yeah, like yeah. it's in continuity but it's its own little mini that kind of stuff yeah yeah detective comics 
683, written by Chuck Dixon, penciled by Graham Nolan. Speaking of Chuck Dixon. Penguin gets a heist foiled by Batman and Robin. He decides to eliminate Risk. We see the Iceberg Lounge for the very first time in this issue, as a nerdy dude in a bow tie is running a table playing blackjack. He's winning a boatload of cash. Penguin calls him to the office, and the nerdy guy explains that he isn't a card counter. He's just a risk assessment guy for insurance, and he got bored of being right all the time, so he's getting more risky with his, with his stuff. He has his own formula to figure out risk. Bach and Montoya, meanwhile, visit Bullock in the hospital. He's still in a coma. Batman goes to Too Bad Thomas's apartment. That's two with the, the number two, as in world's second finest Twitter handle. Yeah. The number two. <laughs> too Bad Thomas's apartment. They got a lead on the previous Penguin job because of him, and they're looking for more info. The apartment explodes. They have no leads. Batman is tired of playing catch up and goes to Gordon. He finds him sleeping in the office. Gordon is now, by the way, always sleeping in the office. Like yeah, he's, every he's time never Batman, left. he's a never left, never eating, never working, just asleep in the office. Yeah, Gordon. Gordon's uh, Gordon's going through it. Jim. Jim. Jim's going through it pretty hard right now. Batman needs Too Bad's file to know his associates and the known hangouts of Too Bad. Gordon helps him reluctantly. Batman and Robin are on the lookout for Vanetta, one of Penguin's goons. Penguin and his new buddy Actuary, that's the, the nerd of who's a risk assessment guy. His name is Actuary. Or gather a bunch of data. Something like that. Yeah. They gather a bunch of data to figure out where and when Batman is likely to be around Gotham and hit the places that are lower risk for running into him. They rob a hockey game, blending into the crowd after the job. Later that night, Batman and Robin catch up to Vanetta looking for, you know, just follow the leads. They take him down while he has his cut of the heist and they're getting closer to the penguin. However, Actuary has a plan. Only commit crimes in daylight reducing the likelihood of Batman's intervention to zero. Next issue, it's a daylight robbery. Jason, what did you think of Detective Comics 683? Uh, I dug it too. I, I really, yeah. I, 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 I kind of I dug it as much as, uh, as the last one. So like not, not as much as Batman. Than I am. I am, yeah. I mean, again, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that, I don't know if watching that David Lynch and, and then I watched a Buster Keaton film after it. Um, like, I don't know if that primed me to like be <laughs> yeah, right. more okay with it. I don't, I'm not sure, but like, even though it was goofy, I enjoyed uh, the idea of Penguin employing this like crazy math guy to try to like out probability yeah. Batman. Oh, uh, that stuff I loved. The idea, yeah. the idea of like what we're dealing with here, I think is really interesting. Of like, yeah, Batman can't be in two places at once. And and like he's got to have a routine. He's got to have a habit. He's got to stick to certain places. We can figure that out and then pull heists that like Batman will just not be around for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like that stuff is cool. I just like how we approached it. I felt like Batman was very secondary the entire time. And like. I also I've noticed this since. A lot of the writers, I think the writers have like uh, a directive from DC to be like, Gordon's marriage is shitty. Let's show that more. 
And so like Gordon, like I said, always sleeping in the office. But like Batman doesn't have his own files or detective work at all in any of these issues. He always is like, he's always like, Gordon, I need that file on that guy. He's very like, thirsty. I fucking, I guess. Here you go. He's Batman, like, I'm going to go solve crime thirsty. now. Yeah, sure, buddy. Sure, buddy. You go, you go do that, pal. Thanks. Thanks for it's all like, your help. Dude, you're the world's greatest detective. Do your own detective work. I am begging you. <laughs> You know, that, that is, that is a good point. I didn't really think about really in the past, like even throughout nightfall, you saw Jean-Paul Batman doing it a little bit, but since Bruce has been back, like I haven't seen any like real detective work from him. No, any, any, no, no, it's no just following patrols clues. and picking up files from Gordon. Yeah. Maybe beating up a guy who you think might know something like, yeah. 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 And, hmm. and I get it like drawing and writing a Batman comic where he does detective work is probably not super fun. Like it takes a while at least. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, if you were trying to do like a quick two issue story in and out, it's like, it's tough to have Batman like build the case. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Here, here's, here's a page of word balloons of, of Batman explaining this thing to Tim and Tim asking questions. So the audience doesn't feel dumb when Batman explains it. Yeah, I. I just got an idea for a Batman comic that's just like Batman does all the detective work off panel and he just solves the thing really quickly. And then like Tim's like, how do you figure that one out? And he's like, you figure it out, you fucking idiot. Like, (laughs) like, come on, like talking to Tim, but not only talking to Tim, but the reader as well. He's like, you know, like. All the all the clues are there. Like you figure it yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Well, so, no, all right. So I know you found the second gunman on the grassy knoll, okay? But like, how? Did you, but it's like all how? right there, you dingus. Come on, <laughs> right? Exactly, exactly. Though I do, I do want to give a big special shout though to from from the jump in this issue. I think something else that primed me to really like it is Graham Nolan's art, and more more specifically, it was the cover that gave me um, some flashes of uh, a very much missed uh, artist and Steve Dillon, you know, it looked like a yeah. total Steve Dillon cover. And I, man, I, I truly miss Steve yeah. Dillon. That was, that was such a, you know, it, it's, it's always so sad. Cause I was like, oh man, Steve Dillon. And I'm like, oh man, Steve Dillon. But like yeah. such a like, but Graham Nolan too, though, just on his own of his own, like accord is just. Yeah. This I'm, era, Graham Nolan's very, very good. Uh, yeah. The cover is penguin, like, sitting in a chair with like a bunch of ladies surrounding him it's a yeah pretty, it's a pretty fun cover yeah yeah and i kind of even though like I, I i kind of enjoy that take on penguin i you know i i do enjoy th- that the uh that penguin is this character that is like seems to be really moldable you know like i fell off of the show yeah. after the first season but in that that uh gotham show wasn't it called gotham where it was Think like so i don't i don't i don't i only watched a couple episodes of that yeah but but the guy who played like penguin in that like because it was all like early stuff it was when you know bruce mm-hmm. was still a kid um all right doesn't he like lose a finger or something he's like kind of a street urchin weirdo or something like yeah that? His, his his mom is he has weird mom issues but like but he's like yeah and and he's got the nose and everything but like he's all like 
he's all like skinny and like young and yeah, you know, like looks like a, like a, like a goth kid. And, and like, right. right. And, and I was like, Oh, I just really enjoyed I'm like, Oh yeah. And I'm just thinking literally just right now. I'm like, yeah, you can really kind of like make the penguin like as like weird as you want, or you can make him as like, in, in this instance, just as a, he's just a casino owner. It's like, sure. He's got like the weird looking face and he's kind of short, yeah. but he's just, you know, he's just dressed this in was, a suit. He's not like eating raw fish. Like, right. Right. So like, you're talking about like the Danny DeVito penguin who's like a fucking weirdo living in the sewers with like penguins that have rockets attached to them. Yeah, which like, is great, by the way. Which is fucking great. Yeah. But like did this this was actually the tipping point for the penguin of like this is the first time we see the iceberg lounge. This is the first time we start to see like penguin as a crime lord slash legitimate businessman. And yeah, uh, yeah. I think it speaks to a little bit more of like the writing for Gotham in general, the world is getting a little more sophisticated as the writers are like, well, okay, like all this crimes happening, like who's the fence in town? What's the club in town? Like, how do you, how do you move traffic goods in and out of Gotham? We need yeah. somebody to kind of fill that niche to be like the bank for crime. Yeah. And like, they're realizing that like, oh, we can just turn Penguin into that. Yeah. And plus, it's always good to have in your pocket if you're writing, uh, you know, talking about as we were just talking about serialized, you know, stories. It's always good to have a villain in your pocket that's like a Lex Luthor where you can foil his plans, but never completely defeat him. So he can just right. come back again. And like whenever you're just like, ah, shit, what villain is it going to be this time? And like you look at the calendar and you're like. I haven't done a Lex Luthor story in six months. All right, so it's Luthor this time, <laughs> you know, and you, just, and, you just, and you just get to work. And so, like, and, and, you know, you can get a lot of interesting stories out of it, too, not just as a device right. to to be able to write, but, like, it's right. it's that, it provides that automatic tension of, like, you know, it, it should be Batman being like, oh, I know it's the Penguin again. And this, you know, he's like. Right, right. If he, if he keeps on slightly, if Penguin himself keeps on slightly eluding him, but he keeps on, like, just arresting his goons or something. Right, you know? right. And then you get. You also open up the world to be like, okay, we're going to have the penguin, but he's going to interact with villains and he's going to be like a supporting kind of character more yeah. than the actual villain necessarily. I think that we're starting to get pieces of that and we'll probably get more of that going forward. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but I, I, I uh, <laughs> Z bad <laughs> or too bad. Sorry. Too bad. So yeah, I, I read it as Z bad as well. At I did first, too. Yeah. And then, uh, Later, when he's like going over the files, I don't know if the if it's hand lettered or if it's just a printing error or what. But like, I was like, oh, it's too bad. It's too bad. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, oh man, that's a choice, Chuck Dixon. Yeah. That's a choice. Hey, too man. bad, Thomas. Hey, it's man. not like it's not like too bad to die. It's too bad, Thomas. <laughs> you know, if if I'm going to continue my theory that Chuck, Dis Chuck Dixon had inhaled as many like crime uh, movies that I think he has, like it's probably yeah. from some like something it's somewhere. From, it's probably from like, you know, Death Wish 4 or something like that. It's like <laughs> it's like the second it's like the second guy that Charles Bronson kills in Death Wish 4. You know you what see I mean? him on screen for like 30 seconds. Yeah. 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 And he makes some like pun about his like dumb nickname or some shit. Like, sure. Sure. You know, sure. that's my assumption anyway. That's my, it's my wild accusation against Chuck Dixon that he's watched too many <laughs> crime wild, movies. wild accusations aside. 
Let's get to <laughs> Batman Adventures issue 30. Ooh. Batman Adventures issue 30 was written by Kelly Puckett, penciled and inked by guest penciler and regular inker Rick Burchett, colored by new colorist Glenn Murakami, and lettered by Richard Starkings of Comic Craft, edited by Scott Peterson with an associate editor, Darren Vincenzo. The cover is Batman just like head on forehead, kind of over this whole shit as... Professor, Mr. Nice, and Mastermind are in the background trying to hang a sign over the Batman Adventures logo to make it Mastermind Adventures or Professor Adventures or Mr. Nice Adventures. It's very good, Jason. <laughs> I always love an exasperated Batman. Just, yeah. Because he, yeah. he just, he takes himself so seriously and like everybody knows it. And it's just like the, I don't know, it's just such a great easy laugh. We don't kick off with a title card. We get that in a, in a moment to accentuate the action that happens. But for for the moment, we open the comic and we get a guy who's uh, after 12 long years, he's tracked the final piece to a treasure map to like the Gotham Museum. And he he needs to get to it, but he needs to make a call first. And he's waiting at a payphone for two old biddies to get off the phone. And they're they're like, oh, yeah, I must have those recipes, dear. Now, now take me through them step by step and go slowly so I don't get easily confused. And he's just like this dude is just boiling over in the background. He's looking at, at his watch. He's freaking out. And then he he hits his he hits his point where he boils over. And he's like, I'm going to freaking knock out these these old biddies. And then but he doesn't count on the fact that, you know, these old biddies born and raised in Gotham. And then they're like, so he starts charging in and they're like, they're like, just a moment, dear. Uh, I'm turning you over to Penny. And then she hands the phone to the other girl, the other old biddy. And she's like, hello, dear. What was that? Oh, nothing. Just a mugger. As the woman socks the dude with uh, brass knuckles on, just lays him the fuck out. Yeah, you've been living in Gotham that long. You're still alive. How do you not go out with with without your brass knucks, man? Yeah, yeah. Like, so then we get we get our title card. Natural born loser. Act one. Waiting for the dough. We then go over to a newspaper that says Master Thieves caught after museum heist. Many items remain unrecovered. And then we see the professor, Mr. Nice and Mastermind there. And then we have uh, in this in the same like newspaper, we have 75 year old granny KOs would be mugger. <laughs> it's a shot of the dude laid out. <laughs> yeah, she's says, standing on him like she like just like took down a buck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they took him to jail and a stretcher says victorious senior citizen is the caption. It's so good. It is. It, it is and, a great. Uh, great great gags in this book throughout a lot of great gags uh and the the guy is there and he's throwing the newspaper and he's like stupid mooks why would they even take it it's useless without the rest of the map and he's talking about the other piece the piece that he's missing for he assumes professor mastermind or mr nice has it after they hit the uh museum and the guy's there the, who's always angry with this uh red-haired girl his floozy 
on the side. And uh, she's like, yeah, well, what am I going to do with you? And he's like, I shouldn't have let those old ladies get to me like that. If I'd only relaxed. And she's like, or ducked, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you freaking idiot. <laughs> and she's like, what'd you say? And she's like, oh, just talking to myself, sweetheart. Like they have this kind of like bantery thing going on. And she is clearly, she's like checking out gem magazines. Like she, she wants that treasure. She, she doesn't want to stick around with this dude. And he's like, don't worry, I've got a plan. And so he goes to the prison and he's like, you must be mastermind. I'm from the Daily Tattler here for an interview. My name's uh, Lance Bunko. And he's like, of course it is. Have a seat. Mastermind is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And so he wants to get like where this last scrap of this treasure map is in order to find the treasure. And he's trying to interview mastermind and mastermind's like being cagey about it. He's like, Oh yeah. Did you find anything uh mapish? And he's like, funny. You should say that. And he's like, so you found it. Where is it? He's like freaking out, you know, cause he's quick tempered. And he's like, no, no, no. What you said about my origin in fact, that puts me in mind to tell you a story. And Mastermind tells this story about how he was like an unpopular nerd in class. And he's like, nobody like sat with him in high school. And there was like this, uh, this guy, Chad White, which is perfect name for, uh, uh, you know, like football quarterback heartthrob, captain of the football team, king of the prom, your basic teen idol is how he's described. And, uh, Chad could make or break mastermind socially, but instead he dumps his lunch on onto mastermind. Yeah. So very publicly, everybody laughing, typical teen stuff. Yeah. Jesus breaking him socially. Yeah. Yeah. So the mastermind finds an ad for youth scouts of America. It says build confidence, learn self-respect, protect your precious bodily fluids from the international communist conspiracy. Now, I don't I don't know if you picked up on that, but I absolutely I started clapping uh, to myself <laughs> when I saw that line, because I don't know if you've ever seen one of the greatest movies about war, kind of, but just ever anyway, uh, Dr. Strangelove or how I learned to stop worrying and love A the bomb. long, long time ago. But the uh, batshit crazy general in that story, Brigadier General Jack Ripper is concerned with the communists stealing his precious fluids, which is why he won't give any of his fluids over to anyone. He won't. General Jack Ripper does not even sleep with women because they want his precious fluids. And when I, yeah, when I, when I saw that, I was like, I was like, fuck yeah, man, that's you, you get that shit in there. That is amazing. So love this dude. So he he's joins the Youth Scouts of America with this one guy. And it's like him and this one guy, the scout leader. Yeah. And he's like a jacked, like military wall of muscle. He's got his his scout bandana is tied with a skull pendant. <laughs> like he's this is not your normal like scouting situation. Yeah, yeah. This this is this is a very bad uh this this is like the um who who is it the the like fight instructor or karate instructor in napoleon dynamite you know yeah right right he's like you know he's talking about this flashback he's like then one day i answered the advertisement to change my life forever and he's like 
Sure, he'd been diagnosed as clinically psychotic, but Scoutmaster Bloodkill was a visionary. <laughs> Where that other organization saw only a motto, he saw a way of life. I entered a complex and, and shimmering world of stratagems, counter-stratagems, counter-counter-stratagems, and triple-counter, you get the idea. And it's this scene of this little little pudgy kid in a scout outfit with, like, math flying at him. It's very much the meme of, like, from uh, 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 The Hangover, where he's, oh, like, yeah, looking, the, at the, the looking at the craps thing. table, and he's, yeah. like, all the math is flying around. It's that same, same exact meme. Well, and I love I love the the next panel of him getting a, a pin like pinned to him and like, you know, standing there in his scout uniform and still just this pudgy little kid in a yeah. military uniform with a with a knife on his leg. sheathed. yeah, you know, like and with an American sta- flag in the background. Yeah, it's, standing it's very there like, um, patent, like like right. Like yeah, a, it's very patent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, man. What a, what a delightful freaking book. So he's saying that he taught me that planning is power and that exhaustive preparation, any situation can be controlled. And I learned my lessons well. And so the next day at school, he's like, you know, the Chad White's like coming over to embarrass him and he lights a fuse and the fuse goes to a small charge of dynamite above Chad White. And it gets uh, splashed with the extra sloppy Joe meat, just like Carrie style dunked. And he's like standing on the table, triumphant mastermind is. And he's like, that was the moment mastermind was born. And the, the he's like, so uh, why do you want to know that story? And the, the guy back in the present day in the in the cell, he's like, because God hates me because he's just waiting to get yeah, this do, map piece. Yeah. Do you know why? Do you know why I told you that story? Yeah. Yeah. Because God he hates says, me. He says, never mind. You'll understand soon enough. What's the next question? He's like, the documents, what'd you find? And there's, there's a great sign in the background yep. <laughs> that says, think ahead, but like it's th- the ahead part is like too short to fit ahead. So it's like a H and then like a small E and then a smaller a, and then a D that's kind of down. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's all so smushed good. in there. It's all smushed yeah. in there right at the end. And he's like, Oh, uh, yeah. What'd you find in the document wing? And he's like, oh, I never entered the document wing. You got to talk to Mr. Nice, which takes us into act two. Act two. The Dark Nice Returns. Excellent. I fucking love. I think this is my favorite part of the book. I love Mr. Nice's origin story. Ah, oh, man. I wish Mr. Nice was in more comics. If if I ever get control over anything at DC, first order of business is bring out stabby dr fate second yep. order of business is bring mr nice to mainline continuity if he's not already see see that's dangerous because that's, that's going to make dc so successful that disney might buy them i think i think they might it buy out warner brothers you know, a, they'll, just, they'll just actually buy everything it's like the knife's edge of fate jason <laughs> we start in act two the dark nice returns with this guy who's just trying to find his missing piece of a map. Like, he doesn't have time for all these goddamn idiots. Yeah. He stomps into Mr. Nice's cell and just is asking him a question about the heist last night. Mr. Nice is like, well, you don't mind if I explain a little something about myself before I answer that question, right? 
And this stressed out motherfucker is just like, no, absolutely not. It's yeah. great because I really needed to get this off my chest. He's like, that's not what I meant. I just look, I'm like, yeah, because all the time yeah. you just, it's a, it's a kind of question that like, yeah, you just, you go through and, but he got the affirmative. And yeah. then we see the origin of Mr. Nice, who is just explaining that his father was a vocational counselor, guidance counselor, which is just yeah. nonsense. And I love it. Yeah. Uh, he was going to use his expertise to, you know, select the career that like fit him best. And then. Right he found out that his career is maiming and killing because a burglar <laughs> breaks into his room when he's a baby and when his he's parents a baby. hear a crash and he's just holding a gun on this giant man with a black eye with big yeah, the, baby blue the baby, eyes. I, I think it's insinuated that the baby disarmed the man of his weapon and then like pistol whipped him yeah. to keep him down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is just phenomenal. And then smash Excellent. cut to fun time with Mr. Nice, where he's explaining he was he was the host of a kid's show. That's all he wanted to do with his life. He was, yeah. you know, he didn't want to be a super spy or, like, kill anybody. And he just wanted to teach kids about, like, you know, the benefits of fair play and personal hygiene. Yep. And, and it's a great scene, too, with kids crawling all around. Like, they're literally crawling all around the set and, like, going yep. nuts. And then all of a sudden, terrorists show up. Not, and Mr. not two terrorists, like a dozen oh, terrorists yeah, to this all, children's show. Yeah, a whole a whole freaking wet team of terrorists show up. <laughs> and Mr. Nice was like giving a demonstration with a giant toothbrush to teach the kids about, you know, dental hygiene and just goes to town, just kicking the crap out of these guys, brushing their faces. Yeah, he's like. He's like, yeah, I, I never found out why they attacked the taping of a ch children's television show, but there wasn't time for questions. I had to keep the kids safe and the show had to go on. So he's like brushing. He's got a dude in a headlock and he's brushing the hell out of him. He's like, remember, kids, brush up and down so you can reach the gums, not side to side. <laughs> yeah. And, and then Mr. Nice just being bewildered while the kids are running from him after he just like completely yeah. went like roadhouse on all these freaking... <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah, and all these soldiers, like, oh, yeah, man, so good. Like, it's it's kind of so scary, for, but yeah, it's a great, great joke. And uh, I just love this um, this last little bit where the the, the stressed out man who's just looking for his shit is just yep. like, you know, Mister and Mister Nice is just trying to explain what what brought him to this life, and he's like, I don't have any choice. You can understand that, can't you? And he's like, yeah, fine, whatever, I understand. And Mr. Nice just gives him a big bear hug. But of yep. course, he didn't find what he wanted. No, he's like, oh, uh, yeah, I wasn't the one ass uh, assigned to the document wing. And the guy's just like <laughs> shaking with rage. Yeah, just red face, like scream. And just, yeah, and just finally screaming that, that yeah, I've been mm -hmm. that angry many mm -hmm. times man yeah and and just the the just the tiniest little sorry from mr nice he mm. really is sorry mm. he's just a nice guy you know he's a nice guy it's not it's not his fault he's like the perfect killing machine apparently <laughs> <laughs> and so mr um oh God, i think his name was mac i tried to remember his name i can't remember the uh yeah i don't know if they i don't know did they say it in the beginning 
on one um the his girlfriend's name is Erica and his name is yeah. something, they, they say it when they're in the uh the apartment room when they're talking to each other but they they only like mention yeah. it once so it's just in passing it's not like you know mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. they they give you too much of a chance but he uh <laughs> he goes to see the professor because that's where Mr. Nice pointed him to yep and he's just like done with it at this point he just goes like yeah all right just tell me your origin story and he's like well sure but you know he's like yeah i'd be happy to and then he just kind of stands there smoking on his pipe and he's yep. like oh wait what what was what was the question he's like <laughs> oh origin story yeah yeah now say origin story what what do you mean by that <laughs> and he's still, he's like what i'm giving these assholes permission now and this guy won't origin your defining moment how you got the name and it's like i didn't come up with the name he's like forget the name do you have any defining moment your first heist maybe he's like yeah no i've been on so many they all start to kind of blend together you know like yeah 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 and then he's like he's like look i just i could i couldn't care less about your stupid origin okay and he's like well, I'm not sure why you asked in the first place. I'd be more worried that you fell right into Mastermind's trap. Yeah. And he's like, what? <laughs> you kind of had to know from the beginning. Yeah. But yeah. Brings us into act three. It's a mad, 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 mad pearl. And so now he is boiling over with rage. And he's in he's in Mastermind's cell. And he's like, I don't know what your game is, but you're messing with the wrong man. I want to know where that map fragment is. And he's like, fine, look behind you. And he's like, what? And then Mr. Nice has tied up the guards and the cell is open with Professor behind him. And he's like, sorry, I had to tie you up, fellas. Those knots aren't too tight, are they? And he's like, forget about it. We're going to get double overtime for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was so a great, good. great so little good. bit. Yeah. And he's like, uh, here you go. And uh, he, the Mr. Nice is handing Mastermind this guy's incomplete map. He's missing one piece of it. And he, ha- Mr. Nice has it. And he's like, wait, wait, but that's mine. And he's like, you stole from me when we hugged. And he said, you said you understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you understood why I, why I wanted that. He's, yeah, I explained to just, you that I don't mean to be a criminal, but I just kind of am. <laughs> Yeah, and you said you understood, so I thought we were cool with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mr. Mister Nice can't lie, that's why his name Mr. Nice. Yeah, yeah, so Mastermind reveals that he was like, you thought that you could collect all these pieces and not tip anyone off that you were collecting these pieces, but I knew, and so I, I nabbed the last piece before you could get it so that you would have to come to me in order to, like, strike a deal or I could get the last pieces of the of the map or whatever. And he's like, now you're starting to get it. And he gets Mr. Nice to rip the bars off of the (laughs) cell window (laughs) as he's like monologuing about this. And he's like, you never thought of that, did you? And the guy's like, well, no. And he's like, of course you didn't. That's why you're a loser. (laughs) He's like, by only preparing for every possible contingency like me, you can never hope to. And then it's a person with a gun off off panel and they're like excuse me like i'll take that map if you don't mind and the guy's like erica she's in a helicopter (laughs) and she's so close to the building that she's putting the butt of the gun 
in front of that dude max face and he's like he's like erica baby you got here justin and she's like back off you pathetic worm if it wasn't for your complete ineptitude i would have had that pearl months ago <laughs> so we've been double crossed and yet double crossed again at this point a lot of twists and turns yeah yeah and he's, she's like oh you still haven't found the map fragment come on cough it up who has it and he's masterminds like very quietly he's like take her out nice and he's like but I, I can't hit a girl <laughs> and she's like i'm gonna count to three and she's like fine here it is and the guy's like 12 long years i've waited 12 long years he's like simmering over because he's losing and, and she's like oh so it looks like a place upstate and the guy runs through the cell jumps out of the hole in the wall at the helicopter kicks her out of the helicopter into the cell and he's like a maniac is like i've got a date with destiny and is like cackling laughing and uh mastermind's like you know this is all your fault does your puny brain have any conception of the intricate scheme that your meddling has destroyed great now we gotta find the pearl and then professor is like never find the great pearl why has somebody moved it from that cave and he's like wait you know where it is He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they they try to race this guy to the pearl in the cave. And, uh, you know, they're racing up there. They're racing up there and uh, they get to, they take a cab and they, they tell the cabbie, you know, like masterminds, like, forget you ever saw us. The cabbie's like, I'm already trying. <laughs> well, I, and I also I also love how in this sequence, though, they're escaping from prison. And yeah, masterminds like, why? Why didn't you tell me if you knew this whole time? And right. he's like, well, you you never asked. And besides, yeah. when I asked what the plan was about, you told me to shut my fat mouth and give thanks to my maker that you wasted time on such an insufferable dolt, insufferable dolt as myself. Only you didn't yeah. use such nice language. And like that yeah. whole time, too, Mr. Nice is just like just giving cover fire in the background. Right, like, right, I just right. love this, this zany, like <laughs> this zany run from, from prison that's, that's happening right, right now. It's so, it's so cartoony and like old school uh, brothers, you know, like madcap kind of, kind of thing. Madcap is the word for sure. <laughs> they get to the cave. Mr. Nice is like, Hey guys, look, and there's somebody up there already. And, and Marty's up there. Marty was his name. Not Matt, yeah. Marty. And he's like, Mr. Nice is waving his hand. He's like all dazed. He's just like exhausted. And and you see uh, Mr. Or Mastermind be like, I don't believe it. And Professor's like, as I was saying, I'm not sure what all the fuss was about. Won't be ready for another 12 years. And it's this giant clam that is closed. And it is, I guess, making the pearl yeah. in that cave. Nobody gets anything. And then Batman's just in the background because it's a Batman book. Yeah. And he's yeah. got a nab him at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. What a what a great what a great fucking I never get tired of these characters. I loved this issue, dude. It's yeah. so good. It's I could, so fun. Yeah, I could I could take a whole I think miniseries, you know, of of these mm -hmm. characters. Give, give me a four or five issue miniseries of like some some great caper or like you know every what every single issue they escape from jail pull a caper get arrested escape from jail pull a caper get arrested if i was writing a book 
a miniseries mm. for with these three characters today, what I would do is I would turn it into a parody of uh, prestige TV. Yeah. 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 So like they'd be a little bit older, like there'd be some sure. sort of like, you know, like, like dark stuff and like, you know, some sort of horrible thing that may have happened, but like, it's not really talked about and like, you know, just all this, but it's still this, like, like a it's still antics. Oh yeah. 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 Just, just straight up. Like they just cannot escape the antics. Oh man. I love this, just the, the silliness of it, but it's, it's a, um, it's a very, I don't know. It's like, it's like when you know the jokes are coming, but they're still really funny. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, like I love it when you know there's an obvious joke, and you're and you're just like, oh boy, <laughs> yeah. what's it? What's it gonna be? It's like, oh, I, like I already know this is gonna be an origin issue, and like I know these characters are 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 straight up cartoons. So like, <laughs> yeah. oh man, yeah. and it's like, yeah, of course, Mister Nice is a baby pistol whipping a burglar. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, man. Also, shout out to uh, Rick Burchett, uh, penciled and inked this thing, and it Killing sings, it. dude. Yeah, it sings. Killing it. Sometimes, you know, when an inker will do some penciling, like, sometimes it's, like, not quite as tight or, uh, you know, like, not quite as put together. All the storytelling, super clear. He does some shots with uh, perspective that look great. He's like, yeah, just like solid, solid issue all the way around. Just yeah. a, a super fun time. Can't be happier. Very, yeah. very great issue. Yeah. Yeah. You want to hit the letters column? Yes, which I forgot to read. I stopped Sorry. sending them to you. That's why. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. I, I, I totally. Well, I got I got one in the chamber. You want me to just read one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Parbeck, you are a perfect artist who captures the style of the cartoon perfectly, but please try to have more than four panels on one page. This just makes it so the story has substance, which they all do. They just need more of it. Don't get me wrong, I love the comic, just trying to make it even greater. That's from Ian Ryan in Albany, Oregon. I thought that letter was interesting because he thinks more panels equals more reading, which equals better comic. And he also blames Parbeck who is not the person scripting it. So here's what Scott had to say. Actually, Ian, Kelly's scripts already have each page broken down into the number of panels, and Kelly describes what's in each panel. So if you have a problem with the apparent lack of story, that's Kelly, not Mike. Actually, of course, it's me, since I'm the one who told Kelly to stick to four panels per page, and I did this for two reasons. One, gives the book faster feel, much like the cartoon, and B, I like that he says one and then B and B <laughs> it's another way that people can immediately tell this book is different from everything else out there. I also think it's a, it contributes to the sense of fun. The book always has, sorry, it doesn't always work for you, but I think despite the lower panel count that we have plenty of story. And in the end it's quality, not quantity that counts. And I thought that was just like such a solid response for a question of like somebody who's, like really in the weeds with it, you know, a, a favorite example I use sometimes of like what it's like when people guess at uh, how you should make something when you don't really know how it's made. Right. And yeah. 
One of the examples I love to pull out is, uh, this is kind of an earlier episode of The Simpsons, but is the first uh, time we meet uh, Homer's half-brother, you know? Yeah. Who and, yeah. And, and he's like, oh, well, I want the everyman to make a car. And of course, it's ugly right. and horrible and sinks his company because Homer doesn't know how to make a fucking car. I don't know how to make a goddamn car. I don't know it has a steering wheel and tires and that that kind of thing and certain car parts. And I've changed brakes and stuff before. But, you know, but so like I think it's this thing where someone who's a fan of comic books think has an inkling for what they think is will make a um, good comic book. Yeah, and all they have to go off of though is just sort of what they like. Like they've never um sat down and tried to make one or, you know, like that kind of thing. And which mm-hmm. I totally get. Like, you know, like most people don't. And uh I don't and, and I just mean this in the in the nicest way possible too, but like if you're really interested in that kind of stuff, like seek it out because like especially in a community that's as small as comic books, you can so easily get someone who's super knowledgeable to just like for hours and for free tell you all about this stuff because so few yeah. the people who ask them about this stuff are the same people that's been asking them about this stuff which is their friends in the industry <laughs> you know right yeah yeah like, yeah so, like yeah every every comic book artist who's like made it in the industry has at one point been the guy on the other side of the table and being like how does this work you know <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Or it's like, um, like the job I have now, right. Um, it, uh, the, the, this guy I work with, who's like my boss's boss, uh, knows just an ungodly amount about furniture. Okay. Mm -hmm. And like, and he'll be like, yeah, you know, he's like, people see something like, you know, he'll be like, people see something like this right here. And like, you know, they, they think it's cheap and he's like, no, that's just the way it's made. That's how you put it together. You know, he's like, just yeah. because it's made out of this thing, they think like, oh, th- like this material means it's like super cheap. And he's just like, no, 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 like not unless you're getting some weird custom piece that you're paying like $8,000 for, you know, but right again, like the average person is just like, they're just kind of going to go off feel, you know, they're going to be like, yeah. oh, well, I, I think that looks wrong. Yeah. Right. And it's like, and it's fair. It's fair to have that opinion. You don't need to do like a freaking graduate level research on like any little thing you happen to be interested in, you know? Sure. Sure. And um, we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. not, I'm not trying to blast Ian here Oh no, for, well, for his comment. And, and you were right. I think, I think it was a perfect answer because he, he was like, he, you know, he wasn't mean to him at all. He's like, well, you know, here's how, you know, Kelly writes the script and here's how detailed the script is. And Kelly writes it this way because I'm I told him to because I'm I'm yeah. the one in charge of that. Not only that, but like, like, did it ever click with you that these were fast reads because they were roughly four panels a page? Did you ever did did you ever realize that while you were reading these issues? Because we've read oh. 30 issues now. Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that the never entire... clicked with me. Really? It never clicked with me that there was a ceiling of panel count like the books pulled me in so hard every time that like I was just along for the ride. I was just enjoying it, you know? So, so from a pretty young age, I've been, uh, because of two books, I've been very aware of how comics are created and the choices people make with, with the panels and between panels and different actions. And, uh, those two books are, uh, understanding comics and stray bullets. Uh, yeah. And, cause I've been reading stray bullets since it came out 
and I was I was probably a little too young to be reading it when it first came <laughs> out, but you know, um, uh, and I remember uh, in the early issues of Stray Bullets, David Lapham had uh, pointed out that like for the most part, except for you know where it's really needed, every single page in that book is uh, nine panels per page. You know, yeah. And he explained that's a very his, uh, uh, Tom King, Mitch Jarrods thing to do too in modern yeah. day. The nine yeah. panel grid. Yeah. 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 And, and David Lapham, like, and he gave his reasoning. And I, and I think back then too, cause it was, you know, in the early midnight, the mid to late nineties that straight bullets came out. Um, you know, he knew that like, this might be like jarring to some readers that like, you know, knew his name from the superhero books he was on here and there, you know? Sure. And, and, uh, and he's just like, well, and he explained, you know, he's just like explained it out like a, this, like a artist, like would, here's why I chose this mechanic yeah. uh and like ever since then i've like never not thought about that when i when if i read memory a book. serves i think he was talking about that because he was saying that it creates like a nice rhythm with the read like yeah. a train tracks kind of like tap tap yeah. tap 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 and that yeah. way when it breaks it feels like more impactful i think that's was what his reasoning was yeah. And I think it's a lot. And I think it's also like, I've always appreciated that kind of thing too, because it's, um, it's like those, uh, it's like the rules that, uh, Chuck Jones had for his cartoons for like Wile E. Coyote mm-hmm. and like all that, where he's like, you have to have some, uh, uh, restrictions or else, uh, your imagination is just, you're never going to get anywhere. And, and yeah. it's also, but it's also fun to kind of play within these restrictions, you know? So you tie sure, a hand sure. behind your back in some way, shape or form. And then you go, okay, how am I going to get out of this? But within, within the rules, you know? And I think like, yeah, with the nine panel grid, like, yeah, it's like, it's like a train track. It it keeps you, it keeps you locked in, but it also, as a, as a writer and an artist, it gives you these more opportunities for different beats and dialogue for different beats and action that you can, you know, there's just so many different, uh, uh, opportunities to, uh, express the action in, uh, so many different ways in, in such a rigid structure. Whereas mm-hmm. someone like this guy who wrote this letter, I, I mean, at least at this time, you know, might not have like thought, you know, in that, in that right. way, you right. know, he's, he's just wants to crank it to 11, <laughs> you know, it's like, right. but, yeah, he's just like, Oh, if I'd get more panels, I get more comic and yeah. I want more comic. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fair. It's just fair. It's, yeah. it's not a yeah. like unfair assessment, but, but yeah, no, that was a really good, I think that was a good letter. It was a really good response too. I think that's a really good. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to get like a little bit of process in the letters column. I, I just appreciate that. Dude. I love process. Anybody wants to talk about the process of like, of, of their job. I don't care how boring of a job it is. Like I, I can, I love that stuff. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. You want the uh, next issue stinger? Sting me. Next issue. Anarchy's loose in Gotham. And anarchy is sure to follow. The Batman Adventures 31 Chaos Rules by Dev, Rick, Rick, Rich, and guest writer Alan Grant. See you then. Yeah, semi-new team. Dev did the previous issue that we talked about, uh, 29. So he's, he's back for this one. And then uh, Alan Grant, who was writing Shadow, I think Shadow. Yeah, Alan Grant was re- writing Shadow of the Bat at the time. So yeah. he's writing a, a guest spot on Batman Adventures. So hopefully it's pretty good. We'll see. Yeah. 
Do you want to hit the two read pile? Yes, I do. As always, if you're new to the show, we uh, do a version of the two read pile that's up on YouTube. You can see that at youtube.com slash Nick Phil. We attach a, a little bit of art to it so you can see some of the art that we're talking about uh, and also get a pile of recommendations. I think there's 10 of them up there now. So a pile of recommendations. You can pick and choose uh, what comic you want to check out. But for right now, Jason. What are you bringing to the to read pile? What's on the to read pile for you? So uh, uh, as I mentioned in the uh, the full episode for, for yeah. those watching, I, I recently uh, rewatched Mulholland Drive uh, for the first time. Probably going to just watch mm-hmm. whatever David Lynch is on the Criterion channel right now. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've had this book for a while that I picked up at uh, the beloved book barn in Niana, Connecticut. And it's uh, New School by Dash Shaw. Hmm. I haven't heard of this. Uh, it was published in it's published in 2013. Yes. Have you ever read any read, uh, Dashaw? I, I have. I have heard nothing about this person. Really? Sell me on this. Tell me. Oh tell my me about god. It. Dashaw's work always kind of reminds me of of like David Lynch's work. It's it can be uh, really uh, surreal uh, and weird and dreamlike. Uh, his art hmm. style changes constantly. Like I'm going to show you yeah. some of the art from this book, and then like look at his art from like some of his other books, and you're like. What, what, why, why, why did you completely change? <laughs> well, I mean, this is, this is amazing, <laughs> but, and, um, I'm, I'm halfway through new school right now. I haven't uh, finished it. I think I'll probably finish it tonight. It's sort of about these two brothers who go to this mysterious Island called X cause it's shaped like an X and there's an amusement okay. park being built on it by this. Okay. It's it, but, but it's, 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 uh, um, the first characters you meet, are uh, this this boy Danny and his older brother, and them and their parents talk very strangely. Just to give an example, at least at the beginning of how Danny and his parents uh, talk. Sure. And Danny's uh, older brother too. They're in a museum, and Danny's uh, father. They're looking up at dinosaur bones, and Danny's father is telling him telling them the story of Jurassic Park of like what Jurassic Park is about. <laughs> okay. Right? Yeah. But here's how he's telling them. Okay. Listen right. closely. My children, I must tell you of a novel. It concerns a theme park where they have successfully recreated dinosaurs. The visionary author dreamer of Westworld has a background in science. And it, this informs the uncanny resurrection in this Jurassic Park. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah but they're not they're not shocked they're not like they just they yeah, they they, yeah. they talk out like and and i'm gonna flip like to a bit further in the book and then this is kind of kind of representative of what a lot of the pages uh are, are like and, it, and it's this Weird. like it's this intense beautiful dreamlike quality to it Man. um it's it's like let me, every okay. every let me, every page let me stop is like you a there painting for, for a second oh. for just yeah. a second yeah you know that there's a YouTube video that I have to put together and then I have to like hunt down pieces of art from this book like 
Is this, am I even going to find any of this book online? Yeah, it was published by Fanagraphics. Yeah. Yeah. You okay. Will. Okay. That, that's, all right. I, I think, I think most of Dashaw's like, stuff has been published by either uh, D&Q or Fanagraphics. So like, okay. it's, Cause you know, sometimes, sometimes you pick stuff and I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, fuck. Like where, like I do a Google search and it's just like nothing. And I'm just like, uh, uh, <laughs> My my next two reads gonna be some like some like socialist screed that was like Xeroxed in nineteen eighty six and like sold right, on the yeah, streets like, of like Memphis. I don't know how to get. I, I have no idea how to get this into people's hands, and I have no <laughs> idea how to display this. <laughs> I have no idea how to really describe it, other than that, like, uh, it's exactly the kind of shit that I love. It's exactly the kind okay. of um, it's exactly the kind of comic books I think that deserve uh, a lot more play than they get but also at the same time i kind of understand why they don't because they are intensely weird you know (laughs) Uh, so i get like that you did couch this whole thing with like so i was watching mulholland drive the other day (laughs) yeah yeah i think you know yeah i think i think i primed it enough you know that that people right if you were uh, that kind of person you might like this kind of book yeah but but it's just such a beautiful it's such a beautiful story. It, it's taken me a while to read it, mostly just because I, I I drink in the pages and I want to drink in the pages. I just want to say one more thing about it, though. If you if you can at all, like get the physical copy because as that page that I just showed you, there's a lot of these um, blocky uh, washes uh, that are over uh, the inks, which just look like sharpie. They just look like yeah. just straight drawn like sharpie, and I love it. Huh. Um, but the way the way the book is, the way the hardcover is, and the the um, the stock of the paper, it sometimes almost makes me feel like I can feel uh, the weight of the watercolors. Like, have you ever had a sketchbook huh. that just filled with like watercolor stuff? Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. it's just a little bit more heavy when when sure, you, when yeah. you turn the pages. Like they're using like a thick stock on that book. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, the yeah. and. And that that's something else that like tactileness is just really the 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 whole thing's just really like man I'm I'm such a sucker for it. this is this is my nice this is one of my one of my favorite kinds of things in the world I don't know how much I'll end up uh, eventually liking it but for right now yeah, I'm yeah. really really digging it a uh, new school by Dash Shaw like published by Fanagraphics man everybody I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, everybody get it. Get ready for some weirdness and uh not for kids, I'm r- I'm by the way. Not not for kids. What do you what do you what are you packing this week? <sighs> this is a weird two read pile. Oh hell yeah. I'm, hell yes. I'm, so you brought you brought a book that is definitely not for everyone <laughs> and weirdos only. Yeah. And then yeah. I'm bringing I'm bringing the essential guide to comic book lettering. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. This is uh, written by uh, Nate uh, Picos. He runs Blambot, he, which is a site that sells fonts and things like that. I think you told me about this when it came out, didn't you? Or I think at some point yeah, you brought yeah, up this I picked book it up. when I we picked were... it up. Yeah, I picked it up when it came out. Um, I hadn't read it yet, but... I knew that it was in my future. Like I, when I saw that it came out, I was like, I was like, I have to, I have to buy this because when I was in college and I was making comic books, they were teaching us how to letter with the Ames lettering guide, which is the, it looks like a little dial with some holes in it. 
and you put it on like a T square and you rule out the lines and then you hand letter. And so like those things. They're neat. But yeah. <laughs> but archaic. Like archaic difficult to use. It, it's so I learned on that stuff. I learned on that stuff. And on top of that, I am terrible at hand lettering, like just awful. And I keep I kept practicing and I kept practicing and I was like we had read a couple of books we brought to the two read pile or I had read a couple of things that I had like stumbled over some of the lettering November and honor among punks was hand lettered that I was stumbling oh, yeah. over a little bit. Yeah, too. yeah. And so I was like, I was like, I knew that I want to make my comics legible, but I didn't really know anything about getting into lettering at all. And on top of that, like lettering is vector based and not pixel based. So there's a kind of like two schools of, of making art on the computer. Yeah. And I'm very much Photoshop. Like I am pixel. Like yeah. if, if I, I do not understand how illustrator works, I just, I just do not get it. <laughs> so I was like, I need help basically. I, I, I never so, realized it was uh, it was vector based. Oh yeah. 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 It's all an illustrator. So huh. this book very precisely walks you through not only how to do the actual lettering, but also like what a letterer even is, how to freelance, you know, like what kind of page rates you should expect. Like this book trains you to be a letterer. It like walks through everything in like a way that's like clear and also like the most efficient way to do it because they're like, your time is valuable as a freelancer. And if you're going to be a letterer, like you got to get this thing done quick. You know, it's got to be quick. It's got to look good. Got to put your name on it. Done deal. Get it out the door. Which as a colorist, you're like, yeah, right. That's, yeah, that's my fuck. Yeah, let, like, let, let's go. And there's a lot in here that I was that I didn't really need. But there's like a lot of questions that I had that were just like fundamental, like so much of lettering is incredibly mysterious to me, even being in comics for like 20 years, because like. Just like, OK, how tall do I make the letters in a digital file? Like if I'm lettering on like, you know, six by 10 or 11 by 17, like how does that how does that point change? Like as far as like how tall to make the letters, like how do I make what what word balloons look good and what word balloons look bad like all these little details of like okay where do i put the tail is there a method for like where the tail should go where it shouldn't go you know like it's just like once you get into the weeds of like actual lettering you start to like be like oh my god i'm in way over. or at least i was i felt like i was in way over my head and so yeah this this book very, very easily, like lets you build um, not only like your skills as a letterer, but like walks you through and like how to make templates so that you like are sitting there with like a blank page. And then it's like all your lettering tools are around the page. I'll probably put this up on the, the YouTube so people can see that uh, Nate's workspace. And so like you can just drop the art in. And then like copy and paste like balloons and stuff to like get it to where you want it kind of thing, like mess around with it a little bit. I'm hoping that this 
alleviates one of my pain points that is keeping me from making comic books because I noticed that like I did like a, a test run of like four pages that were like a to- it was a total shit show. Jason, I did this little four page horror story. I was hand lettering it. It was kind of a disaster. And then like I, I started like patching things in because my inks weren't very good. And like especially when I had to get like super tight, I was I was just like not practiced enough with a brush. And I felt like I needed to use a brush because that's what everybody tells me. But I probably should have used like a little bit of microns on like faces just to get like some good detail in there. And, you know, I was just like real in the weeds, real out of practice. And like I didn't realize that I should just lean into my strengths and just be like, oh, I should just draw this on the computer. I sit in yep. front of Photoshop for the last 20 years. What the fuck am I doing with brush in my hand? Like, let's just get into Photoshop. And it took yeah. me doing those like practice pages for me to realize that. And then it also made me realize that like, oh, my lettering is a fucking atrocious. Like I need help. <laughs> so thank you for uh, the inspiration because, you know, I think that's a very good point that you're never, if, if you're scared of starting something or if you're uh, 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 panicking yourself out of starting something, you, you're never going to know sort of what not to do in, until you do it because you right, started right. doing it in sort of for you the wrong way because you haven't been using a brush or a pen or like real but for, for and, and like, a lot of a lot of how I learned how to make comics too was in 2003 being taught by people who made comics in 1995, yeah. which is just like not the way it's done anymore. And it doesn't play to any of my strengths that I have now. So yeah. it's like just, I was just really, it was like good to get it done. Cause I learned a lot about like what processes I want to keep and what I want to cut. Yeah. How to yeah. narrow in. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but I think, but you're never, you're never going to until you start, you know, and, right. and like even- I didn't, I didn't realize that like this is the other thing is like I kept thinking, oh, well, I want like a tangible piece and I want to get away from the computer, you know, like I want a tangible piece of art and. I still feel that way, but I know I will be faster and better on the computer. And then I was listening to. um, I was listening to an interview with um, the woman who's color who uh, drew a lot of black hammer, Caitlin. I'm blanking on her last name, but. She oh, was talking about the rest of that. She was talking about how she was doing everything like in paper. And then she realized that like she's ending up with a stack of paper that she pages that just will not sell at cons, you know, stuff that just like she'll put it out every every convention just won't sell just because what's on the page just doesn't really, you know, it's it's not that it doesn't it works for the story, but it's like nobody wants a page of talking heads where with no iconic characters. But if you're drawing Spider-Man punching Rhino in the face, do that one on paper so that you can sell it at a show kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so if I'm like making horror comics for me and I'm not trying to sell Spider-Man, I can just work on the computer all day. And that was like something that I realized in like doing this process and trying to figure this out. And the other thing, like I said, is, is lettering. I either needed to hire somebody or get a grip on it. And yeah, 
I'm such a scattered person when it comes to process where I'm like constantly rewriting it as I'm making it, which is probably not the way to do it. But yeah. like it, the thing is, is like I don't have enough experience writing and I don't have experience lettering. So like I start drawing it and then I'm like, oh, I got a different idea now. And then I draw it differently. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, well, now the script needs to change. The script needs to change. The letters need to change. So I can't really pass it off to a letterer until I nail everything down. But I'm like, I just need to do it all myself. I, you know, like, yeah, yeah. What I'm saying is I read this book because I'm a neurotic mess. <laughs> but, but I think but I think what you came out with is a, is a really solid piece of advice, which is don't be afraid to play to your strengths, whatever, whatever they are, you know, so you're sure. more so you're more comfortable, so you you can just start doing it. But also, like you did, like don't be afraid to be like, okay, I can't get a handle on this lettering thing. I'm, I maybe if I get a book, it can help me out, yeah, and right. it can help me figure it. Right. So it's like look look for instruction as well, but also like you know just think about like oh, what's the thing that you're most comfortable with, and whatever thing it is that you want to start, and just start with that. Like start with like. You know what? Like any personal trainer will tell you, like if you can't do a push up, that's fine. Start with doing the easier version of a push up until you can. You know, right? Right. But but it's and like this is the thing. It's like I think that maybe at some point my writing will get tight enough where it's like I can lock a script, and at that point I can probably hire a writer or a letterer. Yeah. Then then I'd be comfortable with that. But until. I get to that place, I kind of have to cobble it together myself. And like, so all of this is like an exercise in like, okay, how do I narrow in to like making the thing? You know yeah. what I mean? And it's the other thing too is like, I didn't even know, like, I color a lot of stuff. It's usually at comic book sized in uh, 600 DPI. Nate talks about how. He letters at that size, but when I'm like, and I get like all different kinds of sizes of pages from artists, like, you know, it, it's the wild west out there and like, I'll kind of make it work, but I'll hand it to a letterer and I'd be like, good luck, you know? So like, I didn't even know, like when you start lettering, like what's the template, you know what I mean? Like I, so in the weeds that like a YouTube like tutorial was not going to help me. I needed like a book. Yeah. And uh, I'm here to say. I'm 100 pages in. I haven't tackled sound effects or anything like that. Just I've just tackled word balloons. And there's not only that, but there's stuff in here about like the origin of a lot of like lettering techniques with uh, attributed to different letterers. And if oh, you're cool. into really cool. comics at all, where you're like, I love process and I love this stuff. And I want to see like what a letterer letterer does and why it's an art form. Like, I like I I knew it was an art form beforehand because I've read some books that were poorly lettered, and I'm like, oh, this guy didn't get it. But I didn't quite know the intricacies of it. You read this, and you will know. You will come out the other side being like, I fucking get it. I hope this book does not ruin other comic books for me. <laughs> like, I hope that like. My worry is that, like, I'll start to know lettering inside and out, and then I'll start reading comics and I'll be like, oh, man, the stacking on that balloon is real bad. 
and I'll just be like, oh no, I'm in, I'm in my head. I've ruined uh, it. I don't, I don't know. I think, I think you'll figure it out. Cause I think, I think yeah, you're the yeah, same. I'll figure I, it out. Yeah. I think you're the same way with coloring with, with the colors yeah. where it's like, yeah, unless it's some egregious thing, you might see something that annoys you, but you're like, yeah, whatever, you know, yeah, whatever. Like, you're, yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. get it. I get it. It's fine. You know, like we're all pressed for time. Encyclopedia is a weird word. It's going to stack your shit wrong in that uh, balloon. Like I get uh, it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all right, man. You don't. You, yeah. 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 <laughs> You had a family to go home to. It's okay. <laughs> right, right, right. You look this one balloon slide. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it'll be all right. At any rate, that is the essential guide to comic book lettering. I highly oh, recommend it. It's put out through Image, uh, which I thought oh, was kind of interesting. That's nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. But I yeah, love, yeah, I love our two read pile this week. I mean, I always it's like them. So I always like them a weird, lot. Jason. But it's, it's so, it's so weird and esoteric. Jason, Nick. where can people find you? People can find me at uh, World's Second Finest on Twitter. That's World's Second with a two. Whenever I remember to update the damn thing again, I'm sorry to social media. I'm sorry that I have not uh, actually built our website yet. Jason, you know I'm I'm editing two podcasts on the side, right? Like, like I'm editing this and the two read pile. And, yeah, and and. and I'm asking you to post on social media once a week. Yeah. You're killing me, bud. You're killing me. Yeah. I'm I roasting should, you should, publicly. I should get only to that. because I love you. I should get, I should, I should get to that. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to get to that, but at work, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, as yeah. Uh, at world second finest on the Twitter machine. I'm also at King yep. of black acid on the Twitter machine. Yep. I think because I'm so tired of saying the Twitter machine and even talking about it. But <laughs> l- 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 let's let's see what else happens. Let's see if I buy a hot air balloon with a uh, with our I will logo say, on it. I will say the the only other reason that I am roasting you on it is because I do see the analytics, and when you do post, people do click it. So like, the more you post, the more people actually re- like listen to the podcast. So you know, yeah, it is a thing. Yeah, it is kinda, a thing. <laughs> Yeah, kind of the more the more you tell this people little, about it. A little behind the behind the curtain for you all, I guess. I don't, yeah. I don't know what the fuck this is. I'm having for, a conversation with Jason now. You guys are not don't listen to this. Don't listen to this part. I'll tell you when you can start listening again. Uh, oh, okay. okay, start listening again. Yeah. All right, uh, right you can find me at linktree.com slash Nick I don't have anything else to say other than that, Jason. Oh, well, you know, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening.